0: the text for this evening. We're going to be in Revelation 4. We're going to do the entire chapter that's verses 1 through 11. And so if you have your copy of God's Word or your phone, your iPad, or your friend of a friend, or if you have the entire Bible tattooed on your forearm, get there quickly because that's where we're going to be this evening. Revelation 4, 1 through 4. And for most of us, this is going to be a little something different because we are not used to really the onus or the weight of Scripture really affecting our lives so dramatically, uh, so on purpose, if you will. And so when we're looking at Revelation 4, 1 through 11, you're going to hear some stuff and you're going to go, I wish you would tell me what all this stuff is. If I do, you're going to miss the point. The point of Revelation 4, 1 through 11 is really simply this. Creation all of creation is obligated, obligated to worship, to praise God because he's the creator. So creation, all of creation is obligated to worship him. You and I are his creation. The church though is not necessarily obligated. We have the unique privilege of declaring his praises. So we have a declaration upon us that we can declare who he is and what he has done for this simple word that you will find in verse 11. Verse 11. Verse 11, Revelation 4. You are worthy, our Lord. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power Because, because you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. You and I, we have the uncanny ability to declare who he is because we can understand what he has done. And so we have this ability to declare that because of the why. Does that make sense? Because of the why. Think about it this way. Scientists and anthropologists, when they look at us as humans, okay, scientists would say uh, there's a book called Think that is a fictional novel in which the main character uh, kind of ascertains what is the difference between human and computer, And he boils it down through the entire book and he kind of gets to the end and he says the main difference between human and computer is that a human can't cry. A human can cry and a computer cannot. And a human can forgive and a computer cannot. These are two powerful actions. Crying and forgiving. You say, well, a computer can't love. True. But the two that he really focuses on are the ability to forgive and the ability to weep. To feel sadness, to feel the depth of the emotion that would cause you to weep. And that's for the scientists. Now, for the anthropologists, they would say that the only thing that differentiates you from the monkey is that you're naked. Or for those of you from Mississippi, naked. Just want to make sure you get the incorrect interpretation, okay? Naked. And that the monkey is not, you say, well, 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 I can reason. Well, a monkey can reason. But anthropologists say it is because we can ask why. Why I do these things. And so as we look at the first ten verses... We're going to pick up on some pretty cool things that God does in this text for John. You have to remember we just finished the seven churches and now we're going into chapter four. And John has this amazing opportunity really once in a forever, once in eternity opportunity. And then at the end, you get to see that he goes, this is why I have this opportunity Because I can understand who I can adore. Let's pray. Lord God, hear our hearts tonight as we seek to learn what you have allowed us as humans. What you have allowed us to feel, to know, and to act upon. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at the text tonight. We're going to jump through this pretty quickly. Remembering the phrase, creation worships through obligation. The church worships through declaration. So let's read the first, well, let's just read the entire chapter. It's only 11 verses, so hold on, we'll move quickly. This is John speaking. He says, After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And a voice I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once or immediately, I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. For the throne, From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and pearls of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne... There was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures. And they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face like a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around. Even under his wings Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 er elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy. Our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, or because you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. A couple of things I want you to notice. One, we have access God has allowed John access to heaven. It's a pretty unique opportunity that he gets access to heaven. God basically says, here it is. And the really cool thing is, it's immediate. It is not that he has to get a ticket to ride a plane, to get on a train, to get on a boat. It's not like that. He immediately is there. And you see that in verse 2 where he says, at once I was in the Spirit. He says, I got the opportunity because the door was opened unto me there in verse 1. A door was opened to me in heaven. And then he has another access point in that he is able to hear the voice speaking like a trumpet. And the, the first thing that the voice says is, come up here or come here. That's a lot of access. That John would have this unique access to the heavenly realm if you will and so for most of us we think of heaven as this hidden thing that we have access not to that we are denied access to but here you see him piggybacking off of the Laodicea church imagery at the end where Jesus stands at the door and knocks and now the door is flung wide open to heaven And so, does God want you to know what is going on in heaven? Does he want you to know what is taking place in heaven? The answer is yes. Is heaven a secret? No. Is what is going on in heaven a secret? No. In fact, he's giving you a play-by-play as to what is going on in the throne room, in the very center of it. And so you have access, John had access, and you and I have access because of Christ. We have access to heaven, there's no hidden part here, there's nothing that is veiled from us, that veil has been torn because of Christ and we are able to enter in into the Holy of Holies because of who he is and what he has done. But beyond access that he is allowed, we get to see that we have access and we have the ability to see what is all around. If you pick up in verse three, he says, What does he see? He saw one s- seated on the throne. And so, all around this one, he tells you what encircles God a rainbow. What would that possibly resemble? Why would a rainbow be significant? Probably from Noah but also because it would contain every color. Now, if you've been in Dr. Turner's Sunday school class, he loves to make uh, this argument. He loves to tell you the story of a tribe that did not have a word for the color, what? Nobody remembers? Blue. They just would say, that's another level of green. How much color can you see? How much color can you and I see? Do we see the whole spectrum? No, we don't. There are rays of light that we do not see, correct engineers? Right? The engineer's like, yeah, I'm not sure what those are, but I bet they're out there. (laughs) I bet they are. Yeah, yeah. And so you have this Imagery that surrounds the one seated on the throne. Why is it important that there is one seated on the throne? There is one God and he's stationary in all of heaven. What revolves around and circles him? Who's the focus? Or what is the focus of heaven? Is it the lion? Is it all the eyes on the seraphim? What is everyone's gaze and attention focused on? It's on the one, seated on the throne. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircle the throne. The throne is at the center. Surrounding, another image of the throne is at the center. Where the 24 elders, they were seated. Everyone is seated because everyone is in authority. Does that make sense? they're stationary because they have sovereignty. They're in control. Christ doesn't get up. God doesn't get up for anyone. He is the one that gets to sit down. He is the one who has completed it. That's why at the end he says forever and ever. He is called the forever and ever. If you remember any Bible scholars in here, where else do we find this holy, holy, holy is Lord God almighty and the whole earth is full of his glory. Where else do we hear it? Isaiah 6, very good. Boom. She's like, and I nailed that. Yeah, Isaiah 6. But there's a difference here. Let's look. Do you believe me? You don't believe me? You do believe me? You don't believe me? Okay. If you look at the one in Isaiah 6, what does it say? Somebody read that for me. Come on. People that have Bibles, Isaiah 6. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and the entire earth is full of His glory, is what it should say, right? Am I wrong? Is that what it says? Carly Strickland says, yep, you nailed it. Okay, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and the entire earth is full of his glory. What does it say here? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and is to come. In other words, he has eclipsed earth. The thing that you must understand is that he is not just the God of the earth, but here John is saying he is not just the God of the earth, but in heaven he is the God of the everything. He is the God of the beginning, the the immediate, and the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega, referring back to that. He is the beginning and the end of all time, forever. He is the one established and seated, and the 24 elders are seated around him. Continuing on in verse six, in the center around the throne were the, 20, were the four living creatures and they were covered with eyes. You say, Casey, that's just super weird. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. That's weird. Well, we understand that there's some imagery here in the Bible and so the eyes over all the creatures just means that they see all of creation. They see all of creation. There were four living creatures... They were covered with eyes in front and back. The first living creature aligned. The second was like an ox. The third was like the face, had the face of a man. The fourth was flying like an eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and were covered with eyes all around, even under the wings. And day and night, they never stopped singing. They didn't say, hey, look at your eyes. Hey, look at my wings. Hey, look at what's going on with the 24 elders. They have no attention but the center of attention, and that is the holy, 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 the Lord God almighty. And so if you are getting caught up on the images of Revelation, you will miss the true image of Revelation, which is right here. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Beyond Him allowing us access to the throne room, And beyond what is around him, we also see what they are doing. And that is that they are adoring him. It says, whenever, verse 9, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne. Whenever they do this, how often do you think they do this? Every chance they get. So whenever they do this, whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 arrows fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne. They adore him. And they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created or because you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. He allows them the opportunity to adore him. And I think for us as followers of Christ, many of us in here, that we forsake this opportunity to adore him. we say well if creation is obligated why am i not obligated oh you will be you will either do it as a declaration of praise or to your demise that's the choice but hopefully you and i would see it as a declaration of praise as simply our opportunity to declare what we know in our hearts and in our lives, that he is the one true living God. So how important is it for you to declare that? That's the question for us. How important is it for you to declare that you say, well, Casey, it's of the utmost importance that my life declare that God is holy. That's of the utmost importance for me, that my life will reflect his holiness and what he has done for me on the cross through Jesus. That my life would be the echo of his glorious name forever. But is it? How often should you want to declare his glory? How about as often as you can? Do you have the capacity for which the creatures have that you take advantage of every opportunity that you have to declare his holiness? I would hope and pray that you do. That you would take advantage of every opportunity because you and I as human beings, just like John, we have been allowed access to stand around the one who is seated and to adore him because we have the Ability like no other being in creation to know why we say and why we sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So Casey, tomorrow in class, how is this going to help me? Well, I think that you have to have this point to ponder first, that you have to determine... What is your because statement? You see, creation is going to have to, like I said, creation is going to have to worship him because they have no choice. They're obligated because he's the creator. But what's your because statement? We ask this of our leadership team. When they come to interview, I ask them, why do you love Jesus? This is what a lot of people like to do when you ask them, why do you love Jesus? Well, when I was five, I was in vacation Bible school. And they were talking about Jesus, and I was like, I, I, I like Jesus, and I, I, I want Jesus, and so I, uh, I, I, I got some Jesus. And then I got baptized, and now I'm here. That's not why you love Jesus, that's a history lesson. A really bad one for me. That's my history lesson. But that's not why I love Jesus. Why do you love Jesus? He's my best friend, true. He's my provider, he's my protector, he's the one who listens to me, he's the one who, who sustains me. He's the one who loves me when no one else would. He's the one, how about this? He's the one who died for your sorry tale on a cross with a bunch of thieves. Because he loved you more than he loved anything else, more than he loved his own life. How about that? Do you love him because he first loved you? What's your because statement? What's your for statement? Why do you love Jesus? If you can't answer that, then there may be a a real opportunity for you to answer that phrase. Why do you love Jesus? And once you get the answer to that one, you need a point to practice. So this is it. I love this. Luke 19, 39 through 41 says this. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Verse 40, I tell you, he replied, If they keep quiet, if my disciples keep quiet, the stones will cry out. How about this? Romans 8:19 through 23. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage To decay and be brought into freedom in the glory of the children of God. We know that, verses 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who had the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly, eagerly wait for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. He say, Casey, I'm not quite there yet. What is your point to practice? Here it is. Don't let the rocks whoop your butt. Don't let the rocks declare his glory above you. Don't let them whoop your ear in. If the trees of the field will clap their hands in praise of the Lord God Almighty, we as human beings should be able to shout and sing praises to him from our toes to our nose and beyond. With everything that we have. One of the coolest parts about being at Passion was 65,000 people singing. And when they would just shut off the music, and they did it quite frequently, they'd just shut everything off. The music would just stop, and you would just hear 65,000 voices singing the same song. And you're like, wow. But what really gets me jacked is that 65,000 Ain't nothing compared to all of creation. And no stone, no rock. Isn't there a song like that, Zach? Ain't no rock gonna cry in my place. Is that a thing? Is that a thing, Zach? Is that not a thing? (laughs) I feel like that was a camp song I sang when I was like nine. I, I just want to ask you that. Are you going to let a rock whoop your butt? Can you get that jacked about praising his name? If you can't, it may be that you don't really believe that he's worth praising. You say, okay, see, I'm a quiet person, I'm shy. Cool. That's fine. You know, I'm a bad singer, no excuse. One of my f- best friends is the most tone-deaf human being walking the planet. He couldn't carry a tune in a dump truck. I'm not even joking. I mean, he, he, you know, it's like, Jesus! And I'm like, that's horrible. That, that, you know, that, may, that hurts my worship to hear him worship. You know what I'm saying? It's like distracting to hear him sing. And I've told him that before, and he's like, you know what, but I'm going to declare The Almighty God. And so that's why we did the service backwards. Someone asked the band to come back up. And so you get the point to practice right out of the gate. You can't say that you forgot. You can't say that you didn't learn it. You can't say, well, you know what? I forgot what point number two was, and so I can't do the point. And here it is it's competition time. Let your heart reflect who he is in your life. Declare his glory with the praises of his people through the act of corporate worship. That should make completely sense. okay? You should really get that. Can't, I, can't, I can't make it more simple. Don't shrink back now. If you're one of those private people, your soul better be screaming. Will you declare his majesty, his glory? Don't don't let a rock whoop your butt. You guys ready? Because you gotta lead us. Don't let the pressure be too much, okay? Don't don't let it overwhelm you that you are leading us in the adoration and declaration of God Almighty. Don't let that, don't let that, don't let that be a hindrance to what you're about to do, okay? So you guys lead us, and we're gonna do our best to follow. Okay, Noah, you got this? Noah says we're good. Zach, we're good. All right, guys, let's stand to our feet. And let's Whoops, some rocks rear end.